hope your message is short. That's a hard act to follow. If you, have, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open up to the book of John, chapter 1, verse 14. We're going to look at one verse this evening. John, chapter 1, verse 14. He says, John has just introduced Jesus, and he has given him the name, the Word. And it says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And you get to verse 14, and this is where we're going to look tonight. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. God, as we look at Your Word here this morning, Lord, may You speak to our hearts on this Christmas Eve night, that we may hear not from a preacher, that we may hear not the message of a church, but that we may hear the word of the living God. It's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray, amen. Well, I want to talk for just a moment, just a very, very brief moment. I mean, Pastor Steve said there's no such thing as a bad short sermon. Uh, so we are, we're going to look very briefly, but I want to talk about that night, the night that Christ was born. Most scholars would agree that it probably wasn't a December night. There aren't too many cold nights in the Middle East. Uh, so it probably wasn't a, a white Christmas that Mary and Joseph experienced. Uh, there probably wasn't uh, a whole lot of, of things that, that we've come to associate with Christmas going on on that first Christmas night. However, I do want us to look at a few things that we do know from Scripture and that, that we can understand what's going on that night. For the Jewish people, the Scripture tells us in Luke chapter 2 that, that Caesar Augustus had issued a census. And there's only one reason for a census to be taken, and that was because the Roman government wanted more money. Now this is a people who were already uh, in... Exile, they were already an, oppressious, uh, an oppressive people. They were already a people who had experienced a tremendous amount of oppression uh, for 500 plus years. The Israelites had been, they had been, the northern kingdom of Israel had been uh, sent into exile by the Assyrians and then a few hundred years later the southern kingdom of Judah had been captured by the Babylonians and they would eventually be taken over by the Persians and then by the Greeks and now by the Romans. And they were, they were a people who were living in severe oppression. And they knew that the census, they knew that the census meant one thing. It meant more taxes. To a people who were already wondering where their next meal would come from, they were a people who were overwhelmed, who did not know what tomorrow held. And many of us tonight are just like that. You had six foot of water in your home, or, or you're living with your, your in-laws or your outlaws, and you're not sure, what, you're not sure how you're going to make it. You're, you're not sure what's, what's in front of you. Or maybe, maybe you've, got, you've got other circumstances going on in your life and and you feel as though you are you are living under oppression 
There were those that night, on that Christmas Eve night, like Joseph, who had had a conversation with an angel. The angel Gabriel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, don't worry about, don't, don't be apprehensive about taking Mary as your wife, because even though she's pregnant, the child that is within her is of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph went, at least I don't have to worry about that. That eased all of his, uh, all of his anxieties, right? Because as soon as somebody tells you don't worry, that means that you can all of a sudden quit worrying, right? No. Someone tells you don't worry, the reason they're telling you don't worry is because there's something for you to worry about. And when they tell you don't worry about it, everything's going to be okay, the chances are that does nothing for your anxiety. Well, here was Joseph, traveling, probably a four to five day journey with a woman that he doesn't know all too well, who's nine months pregnant, and I've had the privilege of having three children, and I know that in the ninth month of pregnancy, my wife is a joy to be around. She is sweet and kind and patient and long-suffering and not snappy and not short at all. And so I can imagine making this journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, with a woman who is nine months pregnant that he really doesn't know that well, and being told by an angel, look, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. Even though you've been ostracized by all of your friends, all of your family, you've been alienated by the entire community that you just left, your only home that you've ever known. I imagine that there was a great deal of anxiety and apprehension with Joseph. For Mary, I imagine that there was a, it was a night full of great fear. Here was this child who herself was carrying a child. And she's going on this four to five day journey. She's probably never been away from her family for any length of time and now she's traveling this great deal of journey in the time where she was at the greatest point of need in her life told to trust a man who she really didn't know and she's about to give birth and for every mother you know that that those moments before that first child is born, you are scared to death. Keep in mind that, that this birth was not going to take place in a hospital room with anesthesia and an epidural. That this birth would take place in the stable. In a very unclean environment. That night, you had shepherds. And for the shepherds, it was a very pedestrian night. There was nothing out of the ordinary. There was nothing, nothing that, that separated this night from any other night until the angels showed up. And for the angels, it was a night of great jubilee. Because I believe the angels, those citizens of heaven, had known for a great deal of time that there was coming a day when God would enter into humanity. 
And they had been waiting. And they had been waiting. Biding their time. When, Lord, when are you going to step into humanity? When are you going to end the problem of sin? When are you going to rescue your people? And they had been waiting, anticipating. And then they hear the marching orders from the Lord. Go, proclaim the news that today the Savior is born. I don't know about you, but sometimes I drive down the road and I think about the people in the vehicles around me. I know what's going on in my life. I know the the stresses and the hecticness and the craziness that's going on in my life. But do you ever wonder about the guy sitting in front of you? Do you ever wonder about the guy that's, that, that's passing by or the guy that just pulled out in front of you or the guy that won't go because he's texting on his phone at the green light? Do you ever think about what's going on in their lives, about how different their lives are? This, this was brought to my attention a few years ago when my wife was telling me about the day that her grandmother died. She said, I was in high school. She said, I got the news that my grandmother died and my world fell apart. And I'm driving home and, and there are tears in my eyes. And, and the only thing I can think is, is, where are all these people going on the road? Don't they know my grandmother just died? Don't they know that, that, that the world just fell apart? On that Christmas Eve night, for Mary and Joseph, the world was falling apart. For the Jews, they didn't know what tomorrow was going to hold. But for the rest of the civilized world, it was just an ordinary night. A very pedestrian night. Nothing spectacular. Nothing of note. But on that night, the Scripture tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I I want us to understand for just a moment what that means. The Scripture tells us in Genesis chapter 1 that God spoke the world into existence. That God spoke and there was light. God spoke and there was heavens. God spoke and there was land masses. God spoke... And there was animals. God spoke and there was trees. God spoke and there was man. God spoke the world into existence. God is from everlasting to everlasting. He has never been created. He always was. There is nothing that is outside of God's understanding. There is nothing that is outside of God's God's apprehension. There is nothing that is beyond God. God exists outside of of time and space. And yet, in John chapter 1, verse 14, this Creator, this all-powerful, omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient being, leaves the glory of heaven. Leaves the glory of His creation and enters the depravity of his creation. Every religion from the beginning of time to the end of time is man 
attempting to reach God. Whether by obedience, sacrifice, piety, gifts. Christianity is the only religion, the only system of beliefs where God reached man. Where God entered into humanity. And I want us to understand the setting of humanity when God entered into humanity. He reached into humanity. Grace, love personified, entered into humanity. Not in a time whenever man was was clamoring after God. Not in a time whenever man was begging for God to to, to reach out to Him. Not in a time whenever whenever man was, was reaching out for God. But whenever man was rebelling and kicking against God, and hating God, and hurling insults at God, and spitting in God's face. That's whenever God reached into humanity. Whenever God had, time and time again, tried to demonstrate grace, and love, and mercy to His people. And His people had thumbed their nose at God, and shaken their fists at God, and said, we don't need you, we can do it on our own. We'll do it our own way. God, at that moment, entered into humanity. And on that Christmas Eve night, when Mary began to go into labor, the redemptive plan of God was set in place. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it tells us that at the moment of the fall, God intended to send Christ. Jesus was God's plan from the beginning. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the moment that God curses Satan. I want us to listen to this statement. He says in verse 15, talking to Satan, cursing Satan, He said, I will put enmity, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he, the seed of woman, and he shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. Speaking of the final blow that Christ would deal to Satan. That there would come a day when the Messiah would come, whenever God would enter into humanity. And at that moment, whenever God would enter into humanity, humanity, the seed of man, would put an end to the curse of Satan. From that moment, And when Christ was born on that Christmas Eve night, the redemptive plan of God was put into place. From eternity past, God had desired to redeem His creation. And on that night, the purpose of God would be manifested. God initiated the relationship. God initiated the redemption. God initiated the reconciliation. And so I have a question for you tonight. You fall somewhere in this story on Christmas Eve night. You may be Mary, and you are terrified of what tomorrow brings. You don't know what is going to happen. You don't know what's down the road. You may be Joseph, filled with anxiety, and filled with apprehension of, I know what God has told me, I know what God has promised, but, but I can't reconcile it in my brain. It, logically, it doesn't make sense. 
You may be like the Israelites. Feeling oppressed. Feeling like you don't know you don't know what you're going. You don't know how next month's mortgage payment's going to get made. You don't know how the electricity bill is going to get paid. All you know is, is, is everywhere you turn, it looks like life just keeps kicking you in the teeth. Or you may be like the shepherds. Just an ordinary night. Pedestrian night. But on this Christmas Eve night, I want us to understand that the same way that 2,000 years ago, God initiated the reconciliation. God initiated redemption. That that same God initiates a relationship with you. He doesn't wait for you and I to come clamoring for, for, for Him. Because He knows that left and under our own devices, that we will never pursue God. So He pursues us. He initiates the relationship with you. He initiates the relationship with me. And that's the message of Christmas. That God, in His great grace and in His great mercy, has desired to commune with you. And He didn't do so from high and lofty perch, saying, I'm God and you're lowly man. But He came down and became a man, entered into humanity, that we might be able to know Him in a real way. Let's pray tonight. God, I thank You that You met us where we are. That You did not wait for us as humanity to reach out to You. But that in Your great grace, You reached out to us and initiated a relationship with us. And Your Word tells us that if we will place our faith and our trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone, that we shall receive eternal life. On this Christmas Eve, may we be reminded of the grace that we have in Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.